What's going on, guys? I just want to let you know that we have a strong following on Facebook, but however, we are on Twitter and Instagram as well. All you got to do is look up the confessionals on either platform. You'll find us, or you can just look up my name, Tony Merkel. I have my own separate account for each one as well. So follow the confessionals and Tony Merkel on Twitter and Instagram. Let's get to it. This was all circulating around the base that a giant had been killed, but no one was supposed to talk about it. I saw three long bony fingers reach up underneath the door, curl up to grab it, and then disappear. When he came over to me, dude, he slithered over to me. And this giant comes out of the cave and they're all frozen. And he starts running and firing at this giant. Well, the giant moves, he's got a spear in one hand and he's running really fast and spears Dan and holds him up like this. Somebody else, shoot him in the face, shoot him in the face. They basically decapitate him. Got closer, got closer, got closer. When he got about 15 yards away from me, I raised that 12 gauge and I blow his head off. I feel something pulling at my leg and I look over and there are two small gray entities pulling at me. And they're literally, I'm getting pulled off the bed. I reached my hand into this bush and I touched air. Couldn't breathe and I couldn't move because I know I'm seeing a monster. to the show, everybody. You're listening to The Confessionals. I am your host, Tony Merkel. Thank you for being here. If you've had an encounter or a story you'd like to share with me on the show, go ahead and shoot me an email. My email address is theconfessionalspodcast at gmail.com. That's theconfessionalspodcast at gmail.com. Or go to the website, theconfessionalspodcast.com. Hit the connection section and you can reach me that way as well. Either way works for me. Just get a hold of me. Now let's move on to the Art Bell iTunes five-star ratings and reviews. If you go to iTunes and leave a five-star rating and review. You'll get a shout out on the following week's show. So this week's shout outs is Punk's Ammo, Balls to the Wall, Uzi Mac Task, Caperman, Alvaro M, Nader Diggy, Hunter J from the UK, and The Art Test from Australia. Thank you very much for going to iTunes and leaving a five-star rating and review. It definitely helps the show out a ton. Moving on here to the Patreon shoutouts. If you go to patreon.com forward slash the confessionals and sign up to become a patron, you get a shout-out on the following week's show. This week's shout-outs is Susan H, Aaron T, Roberta G, and Eric H. Thank you very much for going to patreon.com forward slash the confessionals and helping to support the show on a monthly basis. It really means a lot to me. Thank you very much. Now let's get into this week's show. We have Nick coming on and Nick, when he was 12 years old, moved into a new house and it was a new house, like a new construction house. But yet he started having a lot of different entities and spirits visiting him, claiming that they needed his help. He gets into this tonight and then he talks about how the rest of his life kind of turned in that direction. And even up to recently, about two years ago, he started to Developing psychic capabilities. And so he goes into all that tonight. Let's get into it right now.
All right, tonight I have a great guest coming on. I have Nick, who is actually a patron of mine. Nick, how you doing, man? Great. How you doing, Tony? I'm doing good, man. This is uh, an interview that we scheduled a while back and stuff, and uh, I've gotten to get to know you a little bit here and there through the Facebook group and our interaction as you know you being a patron and stuff like that. Uh, you got some you got some really interesting stuff to share with people today. Uh, you you don't know, you know what to call yourself and stuff, but you have uh, psychic capabilities and uh, you, you act on those when you have, you know, visions or whatever it is come through and stuff, which is pretty interesting. Uh, but your story doesn't start with that though. That's something that's, you know, de- been developing over the last few years for you. Uh, but everything kind of started when you were 12 years old and you guys kind of moved into this house. So if you want to just start off there and tell us, you know, what some of the things that you've experienced throughout your life, you got a lot of stuff to share with us. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, thanks for having me on today. I appreciate it. I just, I want to make sure that my story gets heard that way. Uh, others out there, if they have similar instances or experiences, they know that, um, you know, it's, it's normal, but, uh, yeah. So in 1999, my dad, um, and mom had built a brand new house, new construction in a neighborhood. Uh, there's lots of houses in this neighborhood. And uh, I remember the the first night, I was about 12 years old at this time. And the first night I was in the house, I remember, you know, whenever you stay somewhere different, it's always kind of scary because, you know, you don't, it's new and it's, you know, I'd never lived anywhere else. I lived in another house for 11, 12 years of my life. And here we are in a new house. So yeah, it was a little, a little weird, but um, I remember almost within the first week hearing footsteps, noises and voices and stuff, um, seeing shadows was huge inside this house. Um, I mean, shadows just passing by the doors and things like that. I would always see. Um, and as a kid, as a 12 year old, you know, not ever experiencing these things. And then all of a sudden it's starting to happen to you. You don't know what to think. Um, I was raised Catholic. My dad was raised Catholic. Both my parents are from New York. Um, they went to Catholic schools growing up. So, um, I was always kind of scared to tell my parents after, you know, it'd been going on and I realized that what I was seeing was actually there. Um, so I was kind of always afraid to tell my parents about what I was seeing, but they've always been super supportive, supportive of me. And, um, so when I actually told them, uh, they believed me, which was like a huge relief. And so once they believed me, um, it was kind of like I could go to them and tell them things, but yeah. So after about that first week of the footsteps and noises and voices and stuff like that, um, I think my dad would always try and discredit things. I remember another guy saying that his dad would always say, you know, it's just the house settling. It's a new house. It's just the house settling. And so, um, yeah, I, I think to myself, like, you know, I know what, what it sounds like for houses to creak and crack and I could tell the difference, but but this was different and and I knew right away. So I think my first real big experience in the house though was um there was a lady in a white dress. So I woke up in the middle of the night and my bed was against the wall and next to my bed was my chair where I kept my clothes on and then next to that was a window and the moonlight was coming in almost like perfectly and when I woke up I looked to my right and there was this lady um she was just staring out the window and she was in a white dress and she was really skinny and she was kind of looking up almost at the moon or with a moonlight. And she was like glowing in this white dress. And it was almost like, as soon as I saw her, she disappeared. So she was there no longer than maybe 10 seconds. And she just kind of faded into the light. And I was just kind of like, Oh, you know, that was weird. Um, well, 
There's another instance where actually a few different times, I'd probably say at least two or three times where I woke up in the middle of the night and at the foot of my bed, there stood a, a boy and he was wearing a brown suit. And I say he's probably about the age of maybe six or seven. And I say that because I have a daughter that's sick. Um, so I'd say he's about around six or seven years old. And he was in a brown suit and he never said anything to me. He just looked at me and smiled. And um, again, it was one of those things that as soon as as soon as I saw him, he was gone. So maybe about 10 seconds he was there and that was it. Um, so um, I saw him, like I said, two or three times. And then the, the scariest one, I was probably about 13 years old. Um, and I had mentioned that there was a chair next to my bed that I kept my clothes on. And I would frequently pull this chair up to my TV to play video games because that was towards the foot of my bed. Well, um, this instance or this experience lasted a little bit longer than 10 seconds. And um, I woke up, I rolled over, and literally, uh, whew, it's, it's, it gives me like the goosebumps to think about it. But there's a, um, a guy, he was a black guy sitting in a chair where um, I normally played my video games right next to my bed, but he was leaning forward and his face was literally like within like eight to 10 inches of my face and his mouth was wide open and his eyes were really big. Um, and when I say mouth wide open, his jaw like dropped almost, it was just weird. And um, he had a little white dog with him that was like really dirty um, he was wearing like old style jeans. He was sweating and he had a white shirt with like dirt and holes in it. And, um, and I just, I, like I said, like I was 13 and I didn't understand what I was seeing and, um, it scared the absolute crap out of me. And so I, and I couldn't even scream. Like I, like I couldn't even yell for my parents. I was so scared. Um, so I pulled the covers over my head. I turned away. I started saying a prayer and I essentially fall asleep that way. Um, I remember the next morning, you know, after all these instances or these experiences, I told my parents and my parents, like I said, were very supportive of what I saw and, you know, would ask me more about it. Um, but it wasn't just always me. Uh, there was, there was instances after, you know, I started coming forward and talking about things. I have an older brother who, um, he's six years older than me. He was coming home from work one night and we were all downstairs in the family room. And, um, the, the light was on in his room upstairs and he comes in the front door and sees us all sitting there and he goes, somebody just in my room. And we're like, no, why? And he goes, well, I was pulling in the driveway and I saw somebody standing in my window. And we're like, no, we've all been down here, you know, at least, an hour watching TV and stuff. Um, and that was kind of weird. And then one morning my brother wakes up and we're all sitting at breakfast and he says, um, I had an interesting experience last night, which is weird for my brother. Cause my brother really doesn't ever talk about anything like this. Um, and he says that he saw a native American man standing in his room at the foot of his bed. And the man handed him like a note or a piece of paper and I guess in my brother's sleepy state that he was in, kind of just tossed it on the floor and fell back asleep. When he woke up, there was no note there. Um, but he, you could obviously tell that he had saw something that 
it was not normal and something that kind of not necessarily frightened him, just was not normal. Um, so those were like, those were like the big experiences that had happened in that house. Um, as far as like seeing apparitions, like full body apparitions. Um, the other things were like, I had neighbors, my best friend lives kind of catty quarter, um, to our house, like my backyard backed up in his backyard. And, um, we were in his house one day and, uh, he, his basement was not yet finished and we could hear footsteps coming up the stairs. And, um, so we would hear stuff like that, but there was one instance where he was spending the night at my house and we were leaving his back door to run into my house's back door. And we were kind of like doing a light jog. Well, if you, have you ever seen a Roman candle before? You know how, like, if you light it and you shoot them off, there's like balls of light that come out of it. Yeah. Okay. So we saw what looked like a purple ball of light, like a Roman candle. And it was like a ball of energy that just like swirled around our backyard, like above our head for maybe seven seconds. And it was purple and it was bright and it was making hard angles and zipping around and we stopped and both looked at each other like, did you just see that? And, um, you know, after we saw it, we like booked it for the back of my house, you know, banging down the door to let us in. So, um, that was a really weird instance too, because, you know, like I'd never seen just a ball of light before. Um, and then, you know, once I started talking more and more about it to like neighbors and stuff, um, I found out that my gym teacher actually down the street, she would have cabinets and stuff that would open and close in her house um, by themselves. And, uh, I always thought that was interesting, but after doing some research, I found out that, um, our neighborhood was built on Indian burial grounds and no more than about 800 yards away. There was a mass burial site, um, at one of the main intersections right up the street from our house. So I don't know if that was, um, that had to do with anything that had anything to do with anything, but, uh, I thought that was interesting, but, um, one of the other, one of the other big things that used to happen inside this house was we would hear each other's voices being mimicked. So my mom would be home by herself and she would hear me yell mom, or I would be home by myself and I would hear my sister yelling for somebody. Um, we would hear each other's voices when we were home by ourselves. Um, and that was, I mean, that still goes on now. And my, my parents are still in this house. And, um, I always thought that that was kind of weird, but, um, my dad's admitted to hearing footsteps around the house. Um, you know, my, my, my grandfather, he had passed away, um, in 2003. So we'd been living in the house, you know, for four years or so. Um, and after he had passed away, I almost immediately started having dreams about him visiting me. And, um, this is kind of when the whole visitations started in my dreams was with my grandfather. And, um, but when I would see him in my dreams, he was a lot younger. Um, I only saw him maybe about once a year. He still lived out on Long Island, um, where my parents grew up after they moved out of Brooklyn. Um, and I would have these dreams with him. Like I said, he'd be younger and he'd be at these different places and he'd have his dogs with him. And so I approached my dad and I said, Hey, you know, this is his father. I said, Hey, did did grandpa, you know, look like this when he was younger? And, you know, I saw him in my dream with 
with these two types of dogs. And so I described this, his appearances and his dogs to him. And he was like, yeah, those are the two dogs that he grew up with. And I'm like, really? And he's like, yeah, those are his, you know, I, I had no idea my grandpa was a fan of dogs because he never owned a dog, you know, going out to visit him. And so, yeah, he told me, you know, yeah, grandpa had those dogs um, growing up. Those were his two dogs as a kid. I'm like, really? So um, his wife, my grandma, which is my, my mom or my dad's mother, um, was actually, um, she never practiced it, but she could see spirits as well. And I didn't know this until I was 13, until I started telling my dad, hey, I'm having these experiences. And he said, hey, did you know Grandma Carol um, used to have experiences like this? And so at that time, you know, I got in touch with my grandma and I started telling her a lot of things that were happening to me. Um, and some of these visions that I was having and stuff like that. But, um, so that's all the instances that or the occurrences that happened between like 99 and maybe like 06 or 07. Um, until I was about 17 ish. And then through the age of 17 and 20, not much really happened. Um, like around the house, except for, you know, you get used to the shadows and the phantom voices and, you know, you kind of learn to almost ignore it and you don't really, or at least I didn't pay attention to it too much. You know, as a teenager, you know, high school and 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, you know, you're, I was busy with my life and I never really paid attention to any of it um, until I met uh, my sister's friend in 2007 um, who I was telling her all my experiences and she had said that she had started a paranormal group, but it was just her and another girl. Um, and she said, would you be interested in starting something bigger? And I said, yeah. And so, um, we decided to, to grow the group and, and make it bigger. We visited, uh, Waverly Hills Sanatorium. If you've heard of it, uh, before it's, uh, down in, um, Louisville, Kentucky. It's, uh, what was it? It's like 160,000 square feet and over like, I want to say like over 50,000 or what was it like 50,000 people had went there and it like, there was so much death and they actually have a 400 foot body shoot behind the building, um, where people were That's dying. Creepy. Yeah. So it's like a giant tunnel down this hill and one side is stairs and the other side is like a flat concrete slab. And they would, um, basically just throw these bodies down this like, not throw them, but I think they had like these carts and stuff that would carry them down the chute and then a hearse would take them away and they'd bring them to a mass burial site. Um, but they used to do electroshock therapy there because it was for tuberculosis. Um, so they would actually stick like these electrodes in people's lungs and shock them and, and then stick balloons in their lungs to try and get them to, to blow up um, and just do odd, crazy things there. They have, there's a morgue there. Um, I mean, you name it, there's a bunch of stuff there, but you know, we've got, we've captured EVPs and shadows and stuff through paranormal investigations. And, um, we visited the West Virginia state penitentiary, the Ohio state reformatory where Shawshank Redemption was filmed and all these places we wow. ran out for ourselves. So we have the whole building, um, just like eight of us and we go in and we, you know, we investigate and, um, the, the crazy thing is, is I'm the one in the group that always has something happen, whether I'm touched or whether I'll hear a voice or something like that. 
so um, they like they like using me sometimes as like bait, but I get really scared. Actually, my wife's the brave one. I've kind of got her into doing more stuff because she really doesn't care. <laughs> she really doesn't care to a certain extent, but um, but anyway, there's one instance at Waverly where the uh, where the, uh, the the guard at night he locks everything up. And, you know, it's 4 o'clock in the morning, 5 o'clock in the morning, you're shutting down because you investigate from 10 p.m. to 4 a.m. or whatever it is. And he goes, yeah, I need somebody to walk and close, go up to the fifth floor with me and shut everything down. And I'm like, mm. I, you know, I'm thinking to myself, ah, I don't know if I'm going to walk back in this building. I'm like, drained. I'm tired. It's scary. And uh, he's like, you? And he points to me. And I'm like, yeah. He's like, you come with me. And I'm like, oh, no. Okay, so. He, uh, he brings me along and, um, he shuts the door and everything's pitch black. I have a voice recorder still recording in my back pocket. I have my tripod, my video camera thrown over my shoulder. It's not turned on because we were cleaning everything up. And then I have a flashlight in my back pocket. And, um, as soon as he shuts the door, he walks in front of me and, and when it's, it's black, it goes pitch black. Like you can't see your hand in front of your face black. And he goes, and I'm like, oh, God. I'm like, uh, what? He's like, did you hear that? I'm like, hear what? And he's like, it sounds like somebody's throwing rocks at us. And so I, you know, I'm quiet. And you can. It sounds like somebody's tossing little pebbles, like, at our feet. You can hear them coming from, like, maybe a few feet away. And they're just, you know. Um, well, just after he says that, there's probably a good, I'm guessing uh, what was about 15 feet between us. And I'm only saying that because I eventually turned my light on. Um, I saw what looked to be the shape of a human being pop up from the ground in between us. And it was blacker than the black. And um, I see it, see it standing there and you can hear me. I say, holy, you know, you know what? And he goes, what? And as soon as he says, what? The thing just like almost sucks back down in the ground. I grab my flashlight, I turn it on, and that's where I can see the distance between us. Wow. And I'm like, there was just something, there was something standing right in between us. Like, I don't know what it was. It was in the shape of a person, but there was something right in between us. Um, so that was kind of one of the big things that happened during an investigation. Um, but uh, so that particular... I'm yeah, so, go ahead. With with that, did it just came out of the ground like straight out of the ground, like almost like an elevator just kind of pushed it up out of the ground? Yeah, 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 yeah. It was weird. Wow. Like it just, yeah, like that's a that's a really good way of putting it. It's like it almost like something lifted it up out of the like an elevator just boom, you know, came up and it was just it it didn't move. It just was there in the shape of a person and. It froze me, and as soon as I said, you know, a couple of words, it was gone. And uh, did did it come up out of the ground slow or fast? Did it like shoot out of the ground, or was it just kind of like slowly coming up? It, it it was a little bit fast. It wasn't like real slow and creepy, but it was it was more quick. Like you know, like it took maybe three seconds for it to like fully come out of the ground, and it was about as tall as I am, and I'm six two. Wow. Um, I'd say it was right around six feet tall. Yeah. So, um, that was, that was like a, a an instance where, you know, it, it, that happened away from my house I'll, up until that point, most of everything that ever happened to me had been at my house in my neighborhood. And then 
you know, this had happened and, and it kind of made me think like, Oh, there's more stuff out there than just what's going on at my house. But, um, you know, I've done stuff. There's little things in between there that, um, there's an instance where I actually messed with a Ouija board with a friend and, um, that was not good. I, I tell people all the time, do not play with Ouija boards. Do not play with Ouija boards. You will get into so much trouble if you mess with the Ouija board. Um, we actually did an investigation at my house, the house that I grew up in. And, um, we actually got rhythmic drumming on one of our cameras, which sounded, you know, like a boom, 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 boom. And it went on for a good five, 10 minutes. Um, we captured it. Uh, one of the investigators actually came over one night when I was home by myself, my parents were on, um, vacation and she only came over this night because like the night prior to this, I had to go to my sister's house to spend a night because I was making a sandwich in the kitchen. And I turned to go towards the refrigerator. And when I did, I heard a pitter patter of like a little kid running by me and I heard a giggle and it sounded like a little girl's laughing, like, like a giggle. And right then and there, I called my sister and I said, Hey, I'm coming over. I'm spending the night. I'm not staying here by myself. And then the next night I had our investigator come over and the night went on and I, I woke up the next morning and I said, so did anything happen last night? She slept in the family room. And, um, she said, uh, yeah, she goes, did you come downstairs last night? I said, no. She goes, well, about three o'clock in the morning, she goes, I heard somebody come down the stairs, walk through the foyer, walk into the kitchen open up cabinets and start ruffling things around. She's like, almost like they were making a meal or something. I said, no, I was upstairs the whole night. And this is something that happens regularly. My parents will even confirm that you can hear footsteps up and down the stairs in their house. Um, again, that, like I said, that kind of traces back to, to my, um, to, to my parents' house. Um, you know, I've seen, I won't go, go into all the detail, but I've seen firsthandedly have seen poltergeist activity of um, being upstairs in what was an old funeral home, which is now a home um, for two people. They live there with their son. I don't know if their son lives there anymore. This is back in 2012, but um, I, I was upstairs. The ceiling fan turned on by itself. The lights started flickering, then the ceiling fan turned off, and the lights started flickering again. And it's stuff that, like, you don't really believe any of it until you see it. And then it happens and you're like, Oh my gosh, this is real. Um, so those are kind of like the, you know, paranormal experiences as I had as, as a kid growing up until, you know, into my twenties, I'm 30 now, but, um, and it means you have any questions regarding that, or I can kind of go on more to, <laughs> I can go on more to talk about how what's experienced now since I've like met my wife and stuff like that. Well, yeah, we can go into that here in a second. Uh, but when it comes to the the house that you grew up in, and I think you said you had gotten to talking to your gym teacher. Was that who it was that you talked to, and uh, they had experiences too? Yeah. How did that whole conversation uh, strike up between you and your gym teacher? Was this something that you approached? your gym teacher about, or was it like something that a lot of people were talking about things happening? No. So, um, it was my gym teacher lived in our neighborhood and she lived next to one of my friends who I went to school with. So she knew us kids really well. And, um, she kind of 
there was a few times she let us go swimming in her pool. And, you know, the other kids growing up would kind of poke fun at me, like, you know, Nick saw this in his house, or Nick would see this in his house. Um, and I, I, I think that's probably just how it started or, you know, I I wasn't I wasn't afraid to ask people in the neighborhood, hey, do you have weird stuff happening in your home? Because I was curious, like, you know, I, I wanted to make sure that, like, I don't know, there's a part of me, like, am I nuts? Am I really experiencing this stuff? And yeah. so she, one day, yeah, we were there. I think we just finished swimming, and she was telling us right there in her driveway, like, yeah, you know, our um, our cabinets open and closed by themselves. We hear footsteps. Um, you know, stuff like that. So it wasn't anything that she brought up. It was, I always, I'm always the one, I'm a social butterfly anyway. So I'll just bring stuff up. If people don't like what I say or what I believe, then that's their problem. Um, I don't want to sound mean about it, but everybody has their own beliefs and I have my own beliefs and I wouldn't want somebody to judge me or think I'm crazy. So, you know, I, I I always throw stuff out there and, and let people know what I experienced just because, I think that's the best way to kind of like cope with it is like, for me at least, is to talk about my experiences, whether it's paranormal or not. Any experience I have in life, I talk about because it's a way for it to get off my chest. And then I'm a people person and I like to help people. So when I express one thing, um, maybe there's something in that sentence or something that I say or a story that I tell that makes them like, oh, hey, you know, you know, I've everybody's got their so-called demons, I guess you could say. And the more you talk about things, the more people open up. And so that's just how I am. So I, I think that's just how it stemmed with my gym teacher. Okay. So you, when you were talking about the Ouija board and stuff, you're like, don't touch the Ouija board. It, did you have, like, I mean, like what makes you so adamant about not touching Ouija boards? Uh, well, I had an experience with my friend. Um, we actually bought one from freaking Toys R Us. And uh, I can't believe they sell them. But uh, I mean, realistically, you can make your own Ouija board. Like you can write it on right. a piece of paper. You can get a magnifying glass, whatever you want to use, um, you know, and and it, it will work. It will work because what you're doing is you're trying to conjure up spirit activity. You're trying to connect with something on the other side. And from what I've seen and what I've experienced and from what I've read, um, there are mainly from my experiences though, there are energies, not necessarily demonic, not necessarily evil, but negative energies, negative spirits out there that will use this way as an open door to come through and do what they want to do and how they want to do it. And the experience that I had was um, my friend and I, my best friend and I were, were using this Ouija board and um, the, this entity or something came through and it was his supposedly his grandmother. And um, as it was talking to us, we were asking it questions, and I started getting a severe, severe migraine. Um, it felt like somebody drove an ice pick through my head. And so we asked it, "Do you something along the lines of who do you who are you here for?" And surprisingly, my friend's grandma said Nick, which is my name. So why would you be there for me? And um, and then we start asking, are you, you know, are you making Nick have this headache? And it would move to yes. And then do you want to hurt Nick? Yes. And as soon as we did that, I shut it. I closed it. I gave it to my friend. I said, I don't want it here anymore. I, I don't want to deal with it. Um, it. 
you know, you take it. I don't know what he did with it. I don't even know if he still has it, but, um, I, after that, I never messed with it again. Um, and, and I've come across, uh, invest, I've been in, in investigations where people have used them and, um, people try and burn them. And when you burn them, it only makes things worse. Yeah, apparently you're supposed to bury them. I'm no expert. I don't claim to be an expert. Um, but from my experiences and talking with other people, you're supposed to bury them. Uh, so, uh, you know, I don't know. I had a bad experience with, you know, that migraine. As soon as it happened, it went away. But for, I swear, for like a week or two straight, I felt like the, this just nasty energy around me. And, um, it, you know, I don't know. Maybe maybe I was just shocked. I don't know. But it was just weird. So I, I tell people just stay away from them. It just, even if you investigate the paranormal, I tell people to to don't do it unless you know what you're getting yourself into. Because, again, it's an open invitation for anything to come through anything. And, um, you know, I've had experiences like I've came home from the Waverly where for a week straight, I woke up paralyzed in my bed. I couldn't move my arms. I couldn't move my legs. And I see shadow people running around my room. Um, you know, it's, and, and as soon as you cry out or you, you even think of the word Jesus Christ, um, it'll go away. Um, and so, and any of my experiences, the power of Jesus has um, has thwarted a lot of activity. Um, that's what I believe. You know, that's what's worked for me. You know, like I said, everybody's got their own beliefs. So, yeah. Well, you know, I find it interesting, guys like you, because uh, you're very different than me. I mean, if all it takes is for me to not be waking up and seeing shadow people around, I stop everything. I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to go out on investigations. I don't want to nothing. Uh, have you ever come across a point in time where you're just like, this is too much for me. I'm really thinking about not doing investigations. I'm really not. Or do you, do you, is that just something that, you know, it's just part of the par, par for the course? No. So yeah, there are investigations I refuse to go on. There was one in particular where, um, there was a girl who I went to high school with. She was native American and, um, her son was uh, being attacked at night. Her it was like a newborn, I, close to newborn, within you know like six to eight months, and um, she was being choked. She was being scratched. She was. Um, she actually had video footage of her washing machine moving like three feet across the floor. Um, so we were going to go on this investigation and I was like, really, really just trying to prep myself for it. Like, are we going to do this? Are we going to do this? Well, you know, I, at one point I did refuse to go. Cause I'm like, I, you know, I don't want to come in contact with something that I'm not familiar with. I mean, the things that she was describing that she had seen to us led me to believe everything demonic, everything demonic. I mean, um, as far as like, she said there was, she almost saw like what looked like Native American. I, I don't know how she described it. I mean, it was like a mask with hair on it and, and like horns and creepy looking. And she said that this entity had followed her around ever since she was little. That's interesting. And so right, yeah. And so right before we were actually getting ready to go on this investigation, like a few days before we tried to contact her and we didn't get any response only to find out that she just up and moved. Like, I guess she had enough of it and she moved back to like one of the Indian, the native American reservations where her uncle lived, I think like out 
out west somewhere. Um, so we actually never got to go on this investigation, but that would have been one that I'm I'm 99% sure I would not have gone on it because um, uh, because of that. And then there's another one I refused to go on. It was the Sedamsville Rectory here in Cincinnati. They had it's an old Catholic church um, where the priests used to stay. They actually had exorcisms performed there. It got busted for one of the biggest dog fighting rings. Um, I think. Uh, like in the Midwest, and um, there's no demonic hauntings there. I let the team go by themselves because I refuse to go. You know, it's interesting that you mentioned about the uh, the Native American. If I remember correctly, what you said uh, that she saw a Native American dressed up in like a mask with horns, right? Mask with hair and horns is what I remember her telling me. Okay, so I just find it interesting. I don't know a whole lot, but the in Pennsylvania, and I know that's, you know, I mean, it's not close, but it's not that far away either. Uh, in Pennsylvania, there is uh, these burial grounds that they uncovered back in the early 1900s. Uh, and I think it was Bradford, Pennsylvania is where they uncovered one where uh, they said they found a skull with horns protruding from the skull. And it's a very popular picture that goes around on the internet. It's a very real thing that that skull with horns is very real. And it's, 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 it's a real skull with horns, but, uh, I should say it exists, but there are people who say that it's not actually true horns coming out of the skull. It was actually, uh, deer antlers that were put into the skull as some kind of ritualistic mask. And, hmm. uh, I, I, I know I heard that before and I'm not exactly sure all the details on it, but if it was some kind of native American thing where they are putting horns on these skulls and using them as some kind of mask and things, uh, I, I find it interesting that she kind of saw that as well. Yeah. I'd never heard of that before. Um, this is the first time hearing of it, but yeah, she said that she used to see it even as a little girl, just in the car, like outside of her window, just like this space with like a hairy face with horns and she said it looked like a mask. Wow. That's interesting. Uh, yeah. Wow. So why don't you, uh, t- walk us into some of the other things that started happening with, uh, I think you said you and your wife, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I met my wife, um, in 2011 and we were, uh, living with my parents for a little while and I never really talked about, my paranormal experiences. I never really said anything that went on in the house. Um, but one night she woke up and she told me that she was experiencing shadow figures or she saw shadow figures, um, in the house. And that's when I kind of told her, you know, I've always had experiences and, and things like that, um, were happening. But, um, so that, it kind of started there. Um, we actually moved into our first apartment and we had our daughter um, who's currently sitting on my back right now, but, (laughs) um, we moved into our first apartment and, um, we had our first child, her name's Andy. And, um, one of the first, I said within the first three months there, I woke up in the middle of the night in our master bedroom, um, to the right of me was our master bathroom. And I rolled over and I saw a man standing in the doorway in like a full military uniform. And he was tall. I remember he was tall and skinny. And I remember, and this is where my psychic 
my quote unquote, what psychics have told me, my clear audience comes from, which is being able to hear. Um, I call it mind speak because they don't actually talk to me. They actually just put the sentences in my head, if that makes sense. Um, but he basically told me like, it was almost kind of like a, not a mean stare, but a stern stare. Like, Hey, I'm not here for you. I'm here for her, meaning my wife. And I was kind of like, what in the heck? And, you know, we used to see shadows on the hallway and stuff, um, leading up to that even. And, um, so the next morning I, I told my wife, I said, so this is what I saw last night. Um, you know, there's a man standing in our doorway. He's tall, skinny, full military uniform. Not sure what that was, but he told me that he was here for you. And she's like, really? And she's thinking and thinking and thinking. And she goes, let me ask um, my mom, so my mother-in-law, um, what her dad looked like. Because her dad, his name was Bill, and he was in the military. And he passed away, I wanted to say, when she was, my mother-in-law was like maybe 12 years old. Uh, I'm not sure what he passed away of. I think it was some type of a cancer. But um, she showed me this picture of him like a week later and my jaw dropped. I'm like, that's who was standing in our doorway for you. Wow. And, um, and this kind of ties into my later story. So keep in mind, Bill, his name, my, my wife's uh, grandfather who she's never met. Um, so that kind of happened in our first apartment. Um, and then again, all of a sudden in like 2012 sparked uh, visits from my grandpa, George, um, who was the one that had passed away in 2003 that I was having dreams of after he passed away. Um, I had a whole conversation with my grandfather about my dad, who's his son and only things that the two of them knew together. And as I was talking to my grandfather, George, I was, I was sitting on my couch and he was just there. And again, it was like mind speak. And he was showing me these images too. And so I was texting my dad. I was sending him like these, like long, I mean, it was probably midnight. And I'm waking my dad up at midnight, sending him these text messages like, Grandpa's telling me this and this and this. And so finally the next day, he's like, yeah, like, how did you know that stuff? I'm like, because Grandpa was telling me, you know? So through probably like 2012 to 2015, I would have these dreams of my grandfather, George. Um, I would see my, my wife's grandfather, Bill. Um, I would, uh, you know, we would see shadows in the house and, um, things like that. Um, and then that's kind of everything that happened while we were living there. Um, and then around 2015, both my wife and I, um, kind of hit rough patches individually in our life. Um, her grandmother had passed away, um, and her, her grandma was, her and her grandma were extremely close, like motherly almost like to her. Um, and you know, I was kind of in between jobs and, and, you know, looking for some financial stability and, and it was kind of a, I call it my spiritual awakening. Um, I was baptized, actually rebaptized in June of 2015. because of of things that and I got back into the church again. It was kind of like a non denomination Christ, Christian church um in the area that we were living. And um 
I started to really like follow Jesus. And, and so I decided to get rebaptized in 2015. Um, and then 2016, we moved to uh, Dayton, Ohio, which is, you know, up here by Wright Pat. Um, and that's really when things started to spark was um, like right around 2016. So after I kind of found my, you know, had the spiritual awakening, um, I, I began to get visit more and more visits. Um, and these visits were by, by, uh, people that I, I did not know. Um, so like, uh, for instance, um, one night I was laying or no, it was not a night. It was a morning. I was getting ready to go into work and I was, I was having like a panic attack and like I was feeling real anxious or felt like a panic. I don't know if it was a panic attack, but it's like real anxious. My heart was pounding. So I decided to lay down for a minute and, and close my eyes. And before I knew it, I saw this bright light and like smoke and this guy comes forward. And again, he starts to speak to me like this mind speak. And he keeps telling me that his name is Bill and his connection was with my father that they had worked together. And, um, he kept saying over and over and over again, Penn state, Penn state, Penn state. And then he said, Joel is okay. And kind of just disappeared. And I'm like, uh, like, what was that about? So I'm like, I've got to call my dad. Cause at this point, you know, this is only a year or two ago. Um, at this point, you know, any experiences I've ever had, I've always talked to my dad about, he's been, he's been the one that wants to know more about what's going on in my life and, and why things are happening. So I call him, I said, Hey dad, I need to tell you something. I've had an experience. Said, All right, let me call you back in like an hour. I'm busy. So he called me back. I'm like, so did you by any chance have a friend that you worked with? His name was Bill. And, um, he was telling me something about, I said, he kept saying Penn state over and over and over again. I said, he said that he worked with you. And I said, he kept saying Penn state over and over again. And he told me, Joel is okay. And on the other end, I can hear my dad go, Oh my God. I was like, what? He goes, Bill was my boss. So my dad worked for um, GE for 36 years and he had a lot of different bosses and stuff um, throughout his time there. But Bill, his boss, was the most prominent one, was his most favorite one, and the one that he worked with the longest, who had passed away, I believe it was of a heart attack. And he said that they used to make fun of him all the time because he used to have all this Penn State stuff in his room, or in his office, because he graduated from Penn State. And they used to make fun of him, like, what's a Nittany Lion, you know? And they used to, I guess, really ruffle his feathers about it. But he was a very strong Penn State fan. And... um and Joel was a guy that he had worked with that had also passed away. And so there was no way of me ever knowing this about my dad. My dad hardly ever talked about his work when he came home. He would, the only thing he talked about is, you know, a jet engine that he may have helped repair, but he never really talked about coworkers or anything. So that was kind of a confirmation for me. And it was kind of a confirmation for him. Um, and, uh, my wife, uh, she believed me when I would have these experiences, you know, after being with me for five or six years of having experiences and she's had stuff happen to her here and there. So she believed me. Um, but one time, 
um, I had this dream of her grandmother who had passed away in 2015. And she was sitting on a porch in a rocking chair. And it was a big porch of a white house. And um, she kept showing me coins, like coins, like uh, pennies, dimes, nickels, um, things like that. And um, she was sitting on the porch waiting for like this storm to come in. And um, at the end of my dream, uh, out walked Bill, my wife's grandfather. And um, this would have been her late husband. And uh, so I told my wife, we were out to, uh, we were eating at Bob Evans one morning. And I told my wife about the dream that I had. And she goes, what? And I was like, yeah. She goes, you just described the house that I grew up in with my grandmother. And she used to sit in the rocking chair and wait for storms to roll in. And she goes, and in the front doorway, we had a jar of coins that we used to spill out all over the floor. And it was like an every, an every time thing that we would do is we would always dump this and she would always get on us for, you know, for playing with these coins. And I'm like, you know, that, that's, that's another kind of affirmation for me to know that. And that's kind of when my wife really got on board of, wow, you know, he's, this is true. Like I said, she always believed me, but after experiencing things with her relatives, things that she knew, um, kind of pieced everything together. Um, and then there was another instance, um, and this is huge. And, and you tell me what you think about this, Tony, and other people can weigh in on, on this as okay. well. But, um, so I would freak, you know, not frequently, but every few months say prayers to my grandfather, George. Um, my grandfather, like I said, died in 2003. And, um, I had said one night a prayer to him, you know, saying, you know, please watch over our family and protect us and guide us and, you know, things of that nature. And, um, about, uh, I'd say maybe about two days before this prayer, my wife had taken a pregnancy test and it was negative. And, um, the next day after this prayer, she calls me in the morning and she goes, Hey, I took another pregnancy test. I was like, yeah. She goes, we read it the wrong way. I'm like, what do you mean? She goes, it wasn't negative. It's been positive. I'm like, oh, okay. So she goes, yeah, I called the, um, the doctor and he said that the, uh, or they said that the due date was going to be September 23rd. And I'm like, that's odd. You know, I, I knew my grandfather, but not well enough to know his birthday. And, uh, so I think my grandfather's birthday was like the 20th. He, he, was born and he died in, in, in September. So I knew his, his death date and his birth date was, was sometime in September. And I'm like, I think it's around the 23rd. So I, I get to work and I call my dad. I'm like, Hey dad, when was grandpa George's birthday? And he goes, Oh, September 23rd. And I'm like, well, that's weird. I just said, you know, I just said a prayer to my grandfather and like before. Yeah. And, and now they're saying his due date is my grandfather's birthday. Like this, this is a, you know, coincidence. So throughout the pregnancy for like the first three months, I started having um, dreams about my grandpa and my grandpa was showing me visions of the baby boy and the boy, you know, was with me and I knew he was mine. And, and I kept telling my wife, we're having a boy, we're having a boy. I kept telling everybody, we're having a boy, I know we're having a boy, I'm having dreams about a boy. My grandpa's telling me about it. And they're all like, no, you're having another girl because you're not man enough to have, you know, you're not man enough to have another girl, have a boy. <laughs> Oh, yeah, whatever, you know. So we go to the psychic convention um, in, in Cincinnati, 
And my wife's wearing a hoodie and she's tiny anyway, so you couldn't tell she was pregnant. And we sit down with a psychic that I had once talked to before. And he's going through everything and he goes, and you guys are going to have another baby. He goes, it's going to be a boy. And this is his second cycle through life. He's related to one of you. And he looks at me and he goes, and it's your responsibility, dad, to show him what fun means. Because his first um, life cycle, he um, didn't know what fun, he didn't have as much fun as he should have. He goes, it looks like this, you know, he was always working and he was always, you know, doing business things, which that's my grandfather. I think his family owned a wine business and he was working when he was real little. And then he always worked three jobs. He moonlit as a jazz band member playing the saxophone and the clarinet. I think the, the trump, trumpet, I don't know, one of them. But, um, you know, he's telling me all this stuff. I'm like, okay, so you're telling me the due date's the 23rd, which is my grandpa's birthday. My grandpa's visiting me, telling me I'm having a boy. A boy. Now you're telling me we're having a psychic telling me we're having a boy, which is the second cycle of your life. And he's like hitting the nail on the head with my grandfather. And I'm like, this is so weird. So finally, um, September 22nd rolls around. It's, you know, 10, 11 o'clock at night. My wife goes into labor. And next thing you know, we have a boy. September 23rd on my grandfather's birthday. Um, wow. So, the the coincidences of all of this happening. I mean, what what are the? I mean, you have one in three hundred sixty five chance of you know being born on this day, and and here we are. So I wanted to name him George Vincent Perigno after my late grandfather, but um, we actually just went with George as a middle name. So we have Leonardo George Perigno um, <laughs> as our, our as our little boy. But yeah, it's one of those things. And then after he was born, I didn't have any, I take that back. I've had one dream of my grandfather since he's been born. Um, he'll be nine months old, um, this month on the 23rd. And the dream that I had of my grandfather was of my father crying. And my grandfather was telling me, just let your dad know that you love him very much and everything's going to be okay. Um, well, as of just this was so that dream probably happened not even two, two, two and a half weeks ago at most. Thursday night, um, my dad was um, given the news that my grandma, who's like 95, 96, um, which would have been her, which would have been Grandpa George's wife, my grandma Carol, who was also the psychic, um, they found a growth. Um, in 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 between her pancreas and her liver, um, and it doesn't look good. So I don't know if maybe that had a connection with let your dad know that everything's going to be okay, um, or what. But um, so that was the only dream that I've had since the dreams of my son being born. And then um, I'm trying I'm trying to think of what else has happened. There's so much that's happened. Um, uh, there was one night I was here, um, and I went to get into Leo's crib and there was a woman here and she told me that she was here to watch over our son. And she was just kind of admiring him. Like, you know, I'm here to see him and see how he's doing. And, and I knew that she was part of my family and she told me what her name was. And so I called my dad and I said, Hey, 
did we have, um, I'm trying to think of what she said her name was. I think it was like a Marianne in the family. Did, you know, Grandma Carol have a sister named Marianne? And he goes, no. And I'm like, well, there's a lady here that said that she was Grandma Carol's sister, that her name's Marianne, and she was just coming to see Leo. And um, he's like, no. He's like, but I'll ask Grandma if there's, you know, Marianne in our family. And um, <laughs> sure enough, her sister, who went by another name, which was a nickname, her real name was Marianne. And my dad didn't even know this. And, um, uh, you know, he called me and said, hey, there was there was a Marianne in our family. It was her sister. And um, but she went by like another name, like a Barb or something that was not even close to Marianne. Um, so. uh uh, that was kind of another instance that had happened, but, um, getting into more things, we never really talked about stuff around my daughter who's six years old. And even she started telling me stuff, um, that she was seeing, um, she was seeing, um, lights in her room, uh, balls of white light in her room. Um, one night I was giving her a bath and she said that she saw a man standing behind me and she described him. And when she described him, it sounded like, Jerry's grandfather, Bill, my wife's grandfather, Bill. Wow. And then um, she said that she saw an apparition uh, go across the hall, but it didn't have any legs from the knees down. And um, she saw it go across the hall. And um, there was one instance where her and my wife were in the room together. I had, I didn't uh, work or I didn't work. I was at work, so I wasn't around at the, at this particular time. But I came home and my wife and daughter said that they saw a ball of light, like an orb shoot through the bedroom. Um, and this is in our new apartment here in Dayton. Um, but um, I'm trying to think there's so many other experiences. Like um, the one, another big one is my sister-in-law, my wife's sister. She lives um, in a house. It's like kind of like an old, I don't even know what you call it, but it's an old house on a pretty decent sized property, I guess. Um, but, um, she kept having these, in, these experiences in her house. And so, uh, I sat down with her and I told her that, uh, I knew the man that was in her house. His name was Don and he used to live there by his, by himself, by himself. And, um, that he likes being there because of the kids. And I didn't know if this Don guy that was spirit in her house was, um, he gave me the feeling that he had children and his wife may have left him and took the kids and, and he never got to experience to be a dad. So he likes to be around the kids. She's got five kids that live that are hers and, and live there with her and her husband. And, um, so she did an EVP session one night and, um, she asked that, um, who's the, who's the, something along the lines of who's the person that you talk to and the EVP came back saying Nick <laughs> and uh, cause she didn't believe me. And uh, so she got this EVP that says my name. Um, and, and, and then she had a family member move in her house. It was her brother's brother. So her brother-in-law and his wife and Don, the spirit was telling me about this box that was in the house and that had a very dark negative energy attached to it. And this is when some dark things started happening in her life, um, in her house. And um, I told her, I said, the the lady that's in your house now, she has a, a box. 
that is connected to like like Ouija boards or connected to something dark. And I said, you need to get to get rid of it. And she goes, no, she doesn't have anything like that in her room. Well, she asked her about it and she goes, yeah, I have a box. And she has a box full of this, I guess it's kind of like, it's full of paranormal equipment now. Like but electronics? Her, yeah. But when we asked her, I guess it was uncovered that she actually used to do witchcraft and kept stuff in this box. And I said, yeah, that needs to be out of the house. So she got out of the house. Well, I decided to do a spirit box session on her stairs. And in the first time in my life, I was corralled out within the first two minutes of doing a paranormal um, uh, spirit box session. What was that Um, growl like? I mean, was it a deep guttural growl? Like, was it like uh, like, something that you could almost feel? It sounded like a dog. But yeah, okay. like when you see when you say feel like feel it in the pit of your stomach, like you don't need to be doing this. And it happened right after I said you need to find the light and go to Jesus. And it was like like a deep dog's growl, like a and I was like, Okay, I'm not I'm done. I'm done. I'm not doing anything. And then for literally two weeks I, I couldn't sleep. I couldn't do anything. Like it scared me so bad, like to my core. But I know um you know, I know that, you know, what I believe in and, and what I believe, my belief system keeps me safe and my family safe. So I, I didn't mess with it after that. Um, once um, that particular individual moved out of the house, things started to lighten up for uh, my sister-in-law and her family. So I definitely think that that had something to do with it, um, without a doubt. But um, but yeah, and a lot of stuff has really started happening even within just the, the past few months. Um, I predicted my, my friends, um, my friend and his wife had been together for a long time and they've been trying to get pregnant forever. And, um, I say friend, we were coworkers at the time and I'd only been working with him for two weeks. And he was telling me, you know, me and my wife have been trying to get pregnant for a while. We can't. And, you know, we're thinking about adoption and we're doing this and that and the other. Well, I had a dream again that him and his wife had a baby boy. So I, I text him. And I said, hey, you guys are, are, are going to um, be pregnant. This is probably about a month later. And um, a few days after that, he goes, I want to tell you something. I'm like, what? He goes, we found out my wife was pregnant the other day. And I'm like, really? I was like, you're having a baby boy, man. I actually had lunch with him the other day. Cause I don't work with him anymore, so I've been staying in touch with him. But uh, that was kind of neat. Um, I, I, I recently went to a psychic who confirmed that uh, my family members on the other side uh, got a kick out of Leo being born on my grandfather's birthday and that he did have something to do with it. Um, I also shared stuff with the psychic that um, about her life and people around her that she told me I was correct about. She even told me some of my abilities were better than hers when it comes to clear audience, because I guess men are in particular are a little bit better with um, like clear audience. Uh, voices, so like hearing the voices and stuff like that. Did they say why men are typically better? Uh, she said, I think it's like a, an emotional, men tend to be more emotionally like detached or something. I don't know, something along those lines. Okay. <laughs> but um, yeah, she said men tend to be more clear audience. Um, they can hear things, whereas women, I guess, see things more. Um, but since we've been in this house, I've seen you know, her grandfather, I've seen, um, her grandmother, um, in the house. 
Um, and that was the other thing too. The psychic actually told me, she says, um, she told me that Bill was the one who can help me build my psychic abilities because he hangs around me a lot and he approves of me or something like that. And so that Bill and my grandfather, George, did too, but Bill is really the one that I need to try and, and, and connect with to help me build my, my like psychic abilities. Um, but even my wife has been experiencing, um, a lot. Um, she'll be here by herself and she'll hear things. My wife actually twice now, and this was kind of scary, but, um, she's been scratched on the neck like twice here. Um, how many lines? By, uh, the first time I think it was one. And then one of the other times it was like four, it was never three. I've always been looked for three, you know, the mark of the yeah. beast. Um, but, um, there's never, you know, it's never been anything more than that. Um, it doesn't really, I mean, it bothers her, but it doesn't really bother her that much. Um, I don't know if it's just a way of somebody just being like, Hey, I'm here. But then again, why would something scratch you? You know, like, wouldn't there be something else? Um, but there was one night where after I, I we were, we were having a deep conversation about paranormal stuff happening and, um, whatnot and um she looked at me and she goes i wish there was just like clear evidence that they're here and 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 something that could just like let me know that it's real (laughs) right after she said it it felt like somebody took their hand and just smacked the bed really hard and she goes did you do that and i was like nope and it wasn't me um you know it was uh you know that something that's here, not me, but, you know, I've taken pictures in the house and I've gotten, you know, like wisps of, um, like white light and stuff like that. Um, I'm trying to think of, uh, Oh yeah. The other big thing. And I had posted this about it on, in our group. Remember the black beast I had posted about that. Oh yeah. Go into that. I ran across. That's right. Yes. I forgot about that. Um, so yeah, like, uh, this is what, maybe a month ago, um, I'm driving down the street. I'm coming home from like my softball game or where was I at softball game or grocery store or something like that. Anyway, like they're, you're driving down the main drag and there's these inlets, these cul-de-sacs that are like, um, that have other apartments in them. And I get down to the last one before I make the turn to go towards our apartment. And I see what looks like I mean, the best way to describe it is like a black bear on all fours run across the street and like disappear into one of the apartments. It was like a giant black mass. I'm like, what in the world was that? And I'm like, maybe I'm just seeing stuff. Um, you know, I'm like, that, that was kind of weird. Well, it was no, no more than 24 hours later in our quiet, quiet part of Dayton. Um, this guy went absolutely like, nuts i guess he started like beating up his girlfriend or something and then a police officer came in he pulled a gun on the police officer and the police officer shot and killed this guy um and i had met this guy before like he had i'd seen him walking outside and stuff he seemed like a normal guy and he even interviewed for a police officer job um with the department that of the guy that actually shot and killed him like three days before and, you know, you have this aspiring police officer with no record whatsoever um, do this in the same exact department where I saw this thing run into. Wow. Like, wh- what 
what's up with that? Like, I just, in, in that apartment, like kind of backs in our apartment, it happened like around midnight or 1230 in the morning. I was asleep and my wife was awake. She didn't even hear anything, but like, what, like, how does that even happen? Like, like, so I didn't even think about it until, until after it happened. I'm like, wait a second. That's the apartment where I saw that thing running into. So like, is that like, I don't know. I'm no, I'm no expert. Like, is that demonic like is that a black energy that like caused something to happen there like i don't know and um you know it just that just i don't know man when i posted that i'm like people are gonna think i'm insane (laughs) that and then just the other night i posted something too i walked outside let my dogs out and again i looked up to the sky and said something to my grandfather and i said you know like if if you're up there give me like, you know, like a a glimmer of hope that, you know, I'm moving in the right direction with my life and and being there for my family. And, and, you know, and just as I said that, if you've ever seen a lightning bug light up, how it lights up in one direction and it can change direction as it like goes out. And then when it lights up again, it'll be going in another direction. I saw that in the sky, like 20 seconds after I said something to my grandfather, but it wasn't yellow like a lightning bug. There was no other lightning bugs out if it was a lightning bug. Um, but I know for a fact it wasn't because it was white. It was like a, it looked like a star in the sky that zipped to like the left, went out, zipped to the right, went out, zipped back like up again, went out, and then back to the side again and went out. And then about 30 seconds to maybe a minute later, I, I, I don't even know. I, have you ever seen the International Space Station fly over? No, I haven't. Okay, it kind of looked like that, but for like three or four seconds in the sky, just, and this was maybe around 11 o'clock at night in Dayton. I never looked into if that's what time the space station was going to fly over or if we were even supposed to see it, but I saw that, and then the International Space Station thing looked like it flew over, and um, yeah, uh, so I thought that was kind of weird. So like, I asked for it, and then it was there, so sometimes that's why I don't you know, like things happen to me, but that's why I don't like really delve into too much is because I feel like if I ask for it, I'm going to get it. Yeah. And, and all the investigations I've been on, like I stuff happens to me and it's always me. And, you know, now my wife's seeing things and my daughter's seeing things that, um, nothing ever like bad has ever happened or, you know, we felt like negative energies in the house and stuff like that. And I've gone around and done Palo Santos and kind of cleared the energy and, I say prayers to Uriel and, and St. Raphael and, and St. Michael and, and, you know, stuff like that. So, um, yeah, that's kind of been everything in a nutshell. I tried to, I tried to do, Oh, 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 there's one more thing. One more thing. Yeah. Um, before I clear up, I, I have, sometimes I have out of body experiences when I go to sleep and, and, um, this particular out-of-body experience, I um, had fallen asleep, and I remember floating above my body, floating above our apartment, floating through the clouds, through the stars, all the way up. I don't even know where I was, but I know I was with an angel. Like, I don't know how I know this, but I know I was with an angel because I think I remember, like, like wings, and I never was scared. I was, I felt comfortable. I felt like a lot of love. I felt comfort. I felt fine. Um, and, and I look over and when I look over at this, this, what I perceive as an angel, 
it had what you would think of would be like an alien head, like bigger eyes and, and like the bigger head. But like, I wasn't scared. Like, and they were telling me again in like mind speak, they showed me what looked like this big green globe and it had all these different lines through it, like in every different direction, like to the right, to the left, diagonally, it had all these different lines. And this angel pointed at a line, just a tiny, tiny, tiny little little spot on this globe of green lines. And she told me, your universe is not even a dot on here. That's how big everything is. Wow. And um, I remember thinking like, whoa. And then before I knew it, I that was it. I woke up and, and, you know, it was just another experience. But, um, so you said that they had like alien heads. Yeah. It was like a, an angelic being with an alien head. And again, like call me crazy, but I, you know, when, when these things happen to me, I can tell the difference between a dream and I can tell the difference between uh, a spiritual or a, an energy an energy, you know, one of my, my visions that are real. And the only reason I can tell the difference again is because it's followed by extreme anxiety, um, extreme anxiety and a fear and a feeling of like, uh, like, like rapid heart, like almost like a panic attack, like I said. And that's kind of how I know it's true. And I've, I've been in touch with other psychics and they said that's actually common to have like panic attacks or your body to basically um, it's your body's way of receiving the message. It's your body responding to that, that paranormal experience. And that's, that's normal. So like I have dreams all the time. Um, And I, and I had the dreams that I have, you know, are um, of, you know, just like anybody's normal dreams, you know, sometimes running away from people, sometimes, you know, playing with your kids or whatever, but the, the visions that I have that are followed by panic attacks are the ones that I know are going to be true. Um, I've actually going back to that house that I grew up in. Um, I used to have these visions of people that would visit me and they would ask me to help them cross over to the other side. And I had been to this particular, um, spot, I guess on the other side where, the colors are so vibrant. The grass, the green grass is greener than you can imagine. Uh, there are people outside. They're like in a park. Kids are running around. Dogs are running around. And then there's kind of like a street. And across the street, there's a church. And this church, um, I mean, it's like I said, it's a church. But one of the the experiences, the visions I had when I, when I was younger, um, I was sitting on a bench with a guy. And he was telling me how he wasn't a good person on earth and that he needs my help to get to the other side. And I remember joking with him. I remember asking him how he died. And he said something along the lines of my brother was taking care of me and he was exposed to some type of an infection through a needle. And that's essentially what killed him. And, um, I remember joking with him. I said, yeah, I'll help you to the other side. If you can, you know, if you can put in a good word for me. And I laughed with him. And he disappeared. And as he disappeared, remember the boy that I told you that used to stand in my room um, in the brown suit? He walked by, but he was glowing and he was in all white and he just smiled at me. And then he kind of faded away. And so 
again, when I used to refer to my grandmother about these instances, she actually gave me a book that Sylvia Brown, the uh, former psychic, talked about this place that you go to when you die and it's a park. And, and she describes basically what I had, what I was dreaming about. Um, I visited this park, this church actually with a woman who told me she had died and they were having her funeral and she was like, you can see me. And I'm like, yeah, you know, I can see you. Um, so those are all things that have always happened. I visited that park probably six different times as a kid in my visions. Um, you know, it's just all part of my life story. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, you've had tons of experiences and clearly you could, uh, probably share another hour and a half of experiences. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, that you had. I didn't mean to keep going on and on. No, it's fine. I mean, that's what we're here for, to hear people's experiences and stuff. Uh, but I, I wanted you to, I wanted to ask you first off with your, with your, um, with your UFO sighting, was that near Wright Pat Air Force Base? Yeah. Yeah. Well, so the first UFO I actually saw that I ever talked about was in the neighborhood that I grew up in. Um, that was outside with my neighbors. And we all saw that. But the one that most recently happened, yes, was, um, I don't know what it was. I guess I call it a UFO, the light in the sky. Um, that is, is near Wright-Patterson Air Force Base for sure. Yeah. Okay. Right here. <laughs> That's interesting, man. Very interesting. Uh, lots of uh, conspiracy surrounding that place. And uh, Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, uh, before we kind of wrap this up, I wanted to give you a chance to just kind of go into your friend's experience a little bit because, uh, you know, I would love to have her on the show, but I'm not guaranteed to have her on the show. So I want you to kind of just, you know, briefly summarize, you know, some of her experiences uh, because I know one of them is, you know, because she can astral, uh, astrally project and she goes to into Hangar 18, right? Yeah. So um, she actually told me that she went into Hangar 18 and this was before I even really... I mean, I, I had heard of Hangar 18 before, but I didn't really research it or anything. Um, but she told me about this Hangar 18 that was way underground. And she said she went there and she said that she what she had saw were these animals. Uh, well, they were actually like half human, half animal, like half human, half beast type animals that were caged um, in the basement of this place. And she said they were all really, really scared that they told her essentially that they were not the bad guys that they were being experimented on and um, basically being abused by our government. And that um, essentially we were, we were the bad guys that they were not the bad guys. Um, And that's kind of all she really said, but she said that she could see stuff. Um, The the big thing that she hit on was like these hybrid animals or these animals slash humans that she saw that basically told her, that they're, and she said, I didn't feel any evil from them. She was like, I felt the evil was coming from the ones that were doing the experiments on them. Um, and then she's also astral projected to Mars. And she's told me that, um, she was at some space station and she woke up in this room and, um, you know, she could tell it better. I wish I, you know, I can even ask her if she wants to come on the show, but she had mentioned something about this being that she saw, um, And it was, she said it was very intricate that it was almost like man-made, like a man-made alien that had like all this intricate detail on it. It was huge. And, and supposedly that I think the big, she said something like the big ones were the mean ones and the little ones were, the little aliens were like the nice ones. But she said that she got this feeling of 
like nobody could see her, but then she was spotted, so she had to leave. And she said that this was all on Mars. So how does she know she uh, she she went to Mars? I mean, was there? I mean, I don't mean, I don't mean to be goofy, but I mean, was there some kind of sign saying that <laughs> that she's on her way to Mars or something? I can't say for sure. I don't know if she actually tried to go there or if she accidentally went there. Um, that's something that you probably have to ask her. It's just something that we had talked in conversation about. Um, you know, I've known her for about, oh man, probably not even a year, but that's actually how we became friends with th- this family is, um, actually really close with this family is, um, through talking about paranormal instances because they had a bunch of stuff. They used to live out in California and they had this like plateau that they lived near that weird stuff used to happen all the time. And they, they swore that there must've been some government secret hideout in this plateau because they said that these, these helicopters used to, I don't know if they'd land back there, but they'd always fly over. And then she said, she claimed that she saw this, this animal that sounded like a chupacabra that used to eat, the other animals in in their neighborhood, like you have to ask her. Like, <laughs> yeah, I would love crazy, to, man. Yeah, I would love to talk to her and stuff. Yeah, definitely reach out to her and let her know about the show and see if she'd be willing to talk sometime because that's many questions, many questions. Let's put it that oh, way. <laughs> I, would, yeah, I would listen to it for sure. I'm sure there's stuff that she hasn't even told me yet. So yeah, and like I said, she's coming to contact with a, a black eyed child before. Um, in in a place that she works, and and she's I, I say her 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 experiences are a lot more darker than mine. <laughs> okay, well, uh, Nick, I really appreciate you coming on and talking about these experiences and stuff. I mean, you have experiences for days, and uh, you know, let me know if she wants to talk to me and stuff. And definitely, you know, you're a patron, so we'll definitely be in touch and stuff. I'm sure you'll have yeah, yeah. plenty more stories to share with me as time goes on because it seems like this is a yeah ever going process for you. Day, yeah. yeah. So, but I really appreciate you coming on, man. Yeah. Thanks, Tony. I appreciate it. And, uh, you know, I appreciate you letting me share my experiences and, and letting everybody know, um, that stuff does happen and you're not crazy. So yeah, man, for sure. People, uh, need to understand that people experience stuff. And what's, what's weird is that, you know, it seems like if you have an experience or you have a couple experiences, it just seems like people, some people are more prone to have weird experiences than other people. You know, like some people right. can go through an entire life, not really experiencing anything or very little to somebody like you who experiences tons of crap. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know what to make of that. I, I don't know if like there's a certain frequency that certain people give off more than others that kind of attract them to these kind of experiences. I don't know, but it's definitely, uh, Definitely interesting, and we're just kind of going along for the ride and seeing what yeah, happens. You know, wave, man. Yeah, <laughs> it's all you can do. I mean, it is what it is. But uh, thanks, man, for coming on. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks, Tony. I appreciate it.
Well, that's the show, everybody. I really hope you enjoyed it. And if you did enjoy it, there are three things you can do to help support the show. One, go to iTunes and leave a five-star rating and review. Two, go to patreon.com forward slash the confessionals. That's patreon.com forward slash the confessionals and sign up to become a patron to help support the show. And three, you can go ahead and share the link to the show that you're listening to right now around social media. That will help expose the show to an audience that didn't know about the show beforehand. And until next week, friends, stay safe, take care, and remember, the truth will set you free, but first it will piss you off. Bye. But it's like I was too weak to be someone else You could think that I'm a creep when I'm singing alone But it's like I couldn't see straight on my own When I fall, we start again And when I feel like I'm just dead And when I call, it comes again Like I couldn't see straight on my own hey.